Welcome into another edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 7th. We have a very special guest lined up, the sports editor of the Alligator, Joseph Henry. Him and I sit down and talk all about UF's huge win over Utah on Saturday. Anthony Richardson, Joe's point of view from the press box, and so much more. Be sure to listen to that. As well as we also have a look back at the last week in Gator Sports and a look forward to what's upcoming this following week. Let's roll. Looking around the Gator Nation, obviously all eyes fell to the Swamp, where Florida opened up its season against the 7th ranked Utah Utes and came out with a surprising victory, 29-26, thanks to some great play from quarterback Anthony Richardson. The football team wasn't the only squad on campus collecting W's this weekend, as the Florida men's golf team traveled up to South Bend, Indiana, and won the Fighting Irish Classic, shooting 21 under par. Meanwhile, both men's and women's cross country traveled down to Orlando and won the UCF invite. Finally, Florida Volleyball fell to Minnesota on Sunday, but are still ranked 16th in the national rankings. And now, here's my interview with Joseph Henry. Welcome into the Alligator Sports Podcast. Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome back, I would say, because this is kind of your baby. Obviously, you've hosted this before, and now you're sports editor of the Alligator as I take over the podcast um, thank you for letting me for letting me adopt your child and lead this this semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse like started the podcast or whatever, but like I did this for it's yours. It's I did yours. this for a year, man. This is your baby. It, it, yeah, this I did. I did a lot of podcasts. We understand. And so I'm gonna start out with a hard hitting question here. How did he do it? I don't know, bro. Like I just don't like. I've been racking my brain about it for the last three days. And I've seen the play at least a hundred times, probably. Every time like, you scroll through the Twitter or Instagram feed, every time it pops up, you sit there for the 15 seconds and you watch it. And I think it's going to elude me for the rest of my life how Anthony Richardson made that play on that two point conversion. Yeah. So, obviously, in case you weren't able to pick up what we were referencing, Anthony Richardson had one of if not the greatest football plays i've ever seen live on that two-point conversion in the fourth quarter against utah where he was able to jump spin and pump fake all at the same time roll out and hit a wide open receiver for the two-point conversion the receiver was also just standing there like he wasn't moving i think that was the coolest part of the entire play um from your vantage point in the press box because obviously the student section the play happened on the other side of the end zone. So we couldn't really see a lot of us thought, Oh, he might've been sacked. And then we just see this flash of blue run to the other side of the field. And it was incredible. What did it look like from your point of view? Yeah. Up top, the press box is kind of situated on the side of the stadium down towards the end zone where that happened. So we watch Richardson drop back and then what happens happens. Like you said, it's, hard to explain even after watching it so many times what he did and how he didn't get sacked there and then the pass gets off and everybody just snaps their heads slightly to the right and Frazier's just standing there in the end zone catches it doesn't move at all the crowd goes crazy like there was like there was a reaction like in the press box where like 
it's like no cheering in the press box but everybody was just like whoa like everybody just knew what we just saw like it was so like tebow and like manzel and cam newton-esque it was just like you could tell it was something that was just going to be watched throughout like the entire season like if you look at like a highlight reel at the end like in december after the SC championships done and everything like that and there's like a highlight reel and it's the best plays of 2020 of 2022 that play is going to be in there and it's week one it absolutely should be in there and that whole game was incredible obviously this was my first time being in a full student section since freshman year because of covid and then i covered the team last year it was probably the best environment i've ever been in um the swamp brought it and Florida was able to knock off the number seven team in the country, which brings a lot of people questioning just how good this Gator team can be. Because I think coming into this year, a lot of people were thinking Florida could get, you know, seven wins, a solid bowl win, and just kind of build from there in Napier's first year. But after knocking off a team that a lot of people saw as a potential playoff team, a playoff sleeper, former Gator head coach Dan Mullen had them in his top four. It kind of brings the question, just how good can this Florida team be? What did you see Saturday that could kind of point towards the rest of the year? I think the one thing that I saw in a lot of it focuses on the offense and the fact that I feel like Florida's going to be able to keep pace and kind of score with anyone at this point because a lot of the times outside of maybe the opening drive, which they were moving the ball at will before the fumble. And then obviously Montrell, he recovered from that and ended up having a great game. Like that was a very much just big moment first drive mistake. But the way Florida's offensive line just like established itself and the way the run game was working so well and it's shuffling through, you can look at it if you include Richardson, four running backs essentially had incredible games and if they were the workhorse and the one in in a one running back system could have had like 200 yards rushing but you're splitting the load between Richardson on keepers Naquan Wright Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne like everybody was great and I feel like a lot of the credit goes to them and their athletic and playmaking ability but I feel like the offensive line was really impressive and that was an area where I feel like going into every season like there's always like a little bit of like hesitation and question marks at the offensive line but I feel like they performed very well absolutely I would agree and I think it just kind of points back to we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson a lot on this podcast and deservedly so but if you have a guy with that level of stardom that level of ability you can compete with anybody there were times in that game where Billy Napier just told him go make a play, be great, and he did that. Florida hasn't had someone at that position like that since Tebow. I think that's valid to say. We love Kyle Trask. I mean, he was awesome, but with the amount of talent they had around him, I don't think he was that level of he can make the play on his own. Where AR, he will be the best player on the field in 95% of the games they play this year. I'd agree with that. I mean, obviously, the game in Jacksonville against Georgia, he'll need something incredible, but that's way down the road. Um, But like you were saying with the running backs, they ran the ball 39 times last game to 24 passes. This is going to be a run-heavy team, which we knew going into it, 
but they have, like you said, Montrell, 12 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, the fumble was bad early on, but that was also a good play by an experienced Utah defense, a very experienced defense, a very experienced team overall. Trevor Etienne looked great in his first action, averaged almost 13 yards a carry. Naquan Wright got 10 carries as well. If the receivers can just give Richardson something, which they did, Richardson finished 17 of 24 for 168 yards. If the passing game can just be average, it'll be really interesting to see how far this offense can take the Gators because the defense was interesting, to say the least, on Saturday. Um, rushing defense was not there at all. I think you would you, you would agree with that. Yeah, it was like... Utah has a really good running back in Tavion Thomas, and it was something that I like expected going into the game that he was going to really just dictate the tone. And then one thing that really caught me off guard, and it might have been for lack of my own scouting of Utah and how they like operated as a team last year. Cam Rising has wheels, man. Yeah. He was rushing all over Florida. He's, he was going he's sneaky off. athletic, yeah. as some would say. Yeah. Like, I was very caught off guard. He's just, like, ripping off, like, 30-yard runs just out of nowhere. Like, he's just moving. And that was something that I would think that Florida could scout out, but I was at least surprised by how athletic he was because just watching, the, like – like, the way he just escaped the pocket. And I feel like that also goes back to his just, like, veteran presence. He's a, he's an upperclassman, I believe, and played a lot last season in a season that Utah did really well, went really far, um, went to the Rose Bowl and had an appearance there for the first time. And, like, the way he just manages the pocket and knows when to step up and knows when to take off, I feel like a lot of times it's something that, it's something I feel like we might talk about with Richardson is that even on like the plays where he takes off and makes seems to make something out of nothing, if you really go back and look at it, it's like, ah, there might have been a receiver open there, and sometimes there is a receiver open, and then Richardson's just taking off to run. But I feel like Rising was very calculated in that sense and definitely just knew when to take off, and when he did, he did so very, very effectively. <laughs> and Florida's linebackers were having a hard time keeping up with him and his speed, which is something I wasn't really expecting to say. And then also Utah's tight ends were causing problems for Florida's linebackers. That was until Amari Bernie did his thing at the end of the game. Yeah, and I think that's something that people fail to realize is how experienced that Utah team is. You were mentioning yeah. Cam Rising. Obviously, he came in last year, took over for Charlie Brewer, and they were a few plays away from beating Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year. That was a great game. That was an amazing game. Um, they didn't lose a ton on that team. Like This is a veteran team, mm -hmm. an experienced team. Obviously, they lost Devin Lloyd and Sewell in the linebacking group, which you could tell with how it, Florida was able to run the ball, that they were missing that. They probably could have used Devin Lloyd's speed to help out with Anthony Richardson. Shout out Devin Lloyd. Shout out Devin Lloyd. Go Jaguars. Anyway... Um, no, but <laughs> getting back on track, we can talk about the Jaguars at a later date, which I probably will mention like once a week at least. Um, I'll allow it. Good. I would have done He's my editor, so <laughs> that's fine. Um, People, 
if there are any regular listeners to this podcast, they would know that I talk about the Jaguars because, yeah. If there are any regular listeners, tweet at us. Please. We do it for you. We do it for you, the one person listening to this show. This we love a, you. This is a fun little, little little tangent. But during the game on Saturday, I get a text from Heather Bushman, and it says, Joe, I'm, I'm not at the game, and I'm somewhere where there isn't a TV, but I have cell phone service, so I'm following the entire game just through your live tweets. And I think that's the first time someone's ever, like, said that they were, like, actively acknowledging my live tweeting. And I was like, we always do it, like, with one, like, there's, it's just like, ah, there's one person that's going to be following along through this game just through what I'm doing, not watching it on TV. And it felt good. I'm like, Heather, we do it for you. Shout out, Heather. And shout out our international listeners. We're an international podcast. 4% of our listeners come from Germany. 2% 2% the Netherlands, 2% Brazil. So we're global. We are worldwide. Getting back to Utah. Gator Nation with a lowercase n. Gator Nation with a lowercase n. Getting back to Utah and Florida. Cam Rising was someone who had a little bit of like Heisman dark horse buzz after the Rose Bowl and going into this season. A lot of people said this was Utah's best team ever. And Florida outplayed them basically the entire game, I would say, with the exception of the fumble that led to seven points on the other end. I don't think that's crazy to say at all. Um, You talked about the run defense a bit. I feel like the pass defense actually looked okay. Um, Obviously, the linebackers against those tight ends, that will be a matchup to watch throughout the season, especially as you get into SEC play with Georgia's tight end room specifically, but that's a problem for a later date. Um, if Florida's defense can play like they did against Utah the rest of the season, this Florida team, man, it could be it could be something something kind of special. Yeah, I'm interested to see like Florida has a good set of tests in the next three games, I believe. Like they kind of get a little like they get a step back with USF, but like reps are reps, and I feel like that's a time where Napier is going to be able to kind of toy with some things tweak some things and but like having that sandwiched between hosting Kentucky who's going to be a top 25 teams at the times we're recording this the new AP results aren't out but Kentucky won this week um pretty handily they're still going to be a top 25 team and and then after US the USF game at home going to Knoxville and Neyland Stadium it doesn't matter like that's one of those environments where and the rivalry is there where it doesn't really matter what Tennessee's doing that game's a toss-up like it just is like there's just something about that stadium that's going to be another one of those like first true road starts for Richardson and I think that game is going to really tell a lot especially if they roll into that game undefeated I feel like that's got, like, major trap game energy. I don't even know if I would say trap game for that game because I think Tennessee's a really, really good team. I've said before I think they're probably – they probably should be the favorites for the second in the East. I know Kentucky's a great team as well, and we can get into that in just a second here because obviously Florida will host Kentucky on Saturday. But that Tennessee offense is electric. There will be a lot of points in that game. 
which is why I'm really interested to see how the Florida defense looks this week against Kentucky coming into town. Will Levis has gotten a lot of Heisman buzz as well. I even saw a mock draft in like June that had him going number one overall. Um, so who knows about that? That won't happen. But Kentucky is a very good team. They were a little bit like Georgia light last year in terms of a strong defense, strong running game. But who knows what that running game will look like coming into this week with potentially three running backs out. Um, what are you looking for? from Florida in this Kentucky game because they open as four and a half point favorites. They're not going to sneak up on anyone. It's not going to be a surprise anymore. I've seen AP projections that have Florida within the top 15. Um, The student media poll, which I'm a part of, it's a hundred of, I don't know the exact number. It's over a hundred student journalists from around the country. We do our own poll. It just came out. Florida's at 19 and Kentucky's at 20. So there's no more, oh, maybe Florida can get a couple like surprising wins. Like they're favored in this game. What are you what are you looking for? Yeah, I think it definitely comes down to the fact that I think these two teams are gonna be very evenly matched, and especially when you look at the rankings, like you just said, I feel like they're gonna be at very similar spots in the official AP rankings when those come out later today, recording this on a Tuesday morning. And I think it will come down to, I feel like one of the deciding factors of the Utah game was, and I feel like those two teams were pretty evenly matched, is that Florida was at home. And I think Florida being at home again this weekend against Kentucky is going to be important. And I don't know. I just feel like after week one, like the tone of the like press conferences and everything so far have been in a way like it's just like you can look at it as like standard coach speak but i feel like when whenever napier gives an answer that feels like it's just like a standard answer like i don't know why i just kind of like buy into it a little bit more from him and i feel like that's like i feel like that's i feel like that's a total credit to just how he carries himself and the team so far and like after the game like everybody was like dude anthony richardson went crazy and he was like, yeah, I know AR is sitting there thinking about the six or eight times that he messed up. And I feel like a lot of that attention was thrown to AR after the game because of what we had just seen. But I feel like that's something that Napier expects from his entire team is to be thinking about the times that they messed up, not the times that they played, like that they made the right play. And like I just have like this feeling and I just like buy into the idea that this team's just going to keep improving every week and I feel like when you're welcoming a team like Kentucky that I feel like is going to be on equal playing field and even and like as they're going to come in with like some injury problems and stuff like that I feel like Florida like I feel like they're definitely going to be able to play with them it's going to be a very I feel like it's going to be a very similar like style game I feel like it's going to be very close but I feel like I feel like Will Levis is they're gonna like have to ride him a little bit more, especially because of the situation with their running backs. I'm interested. I'm talking to Cole Park, who's the sports editor of the Kentucky Colonel today, and I'm not all up to date on what's going on with the Kentucky roster and what. Yeah, I'm not an expert in the Kentucky running back room and everything that's going on there. I've just seen a couple tweets here and there, so I'm like, I want to get the full rundown on that and. 
yeah, I think they're going to ride Will Levis a lot and really let him pass the ball and just run the offense very much like through him when Florida, yes, they're running it through AR, but like you said, they're also rushing it, what was it, 39 times? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Florida's offense, like, not necessarily balanced, but I feel like Kentucky's is going to be a lot more that way and maybe even a little more pass heavy, which I feel like could work in Florida's favor because, like we said, I feel like the secondary did perform pretty well on Saturday against Utah. Um, I felt like the physicality was there. I feel like a, one thing that we noticed a lot, like just very like objectively from like a lot of Dan Mullen's teams is that there was a lot of struggle, especially in the secondary with just tackling. And that was something that I didn't see as much on Saturday. Like it showed here and there. And I feel like that's a lot of like first game, you got stuff to clean up, but I feel like there was a lot of like sound tackling and like it seems like if you're having to like bring up tackling like that's like one of the like true fundamentals of football especially on defenses being able to tackle but it was an area of improvement from last season to week one and when it gets down to those like base base fundamentals that's when it goes back to coaching and i think that's like the biggest difference so far and like i just think that with this coaching staff in place especially in the secondary you can't discount the effect that Corey raymond has like his ability like in recruiting and stuff like that is what people love to talk about but he coaches up his players so well and especially players that are returning like trey dean um Rashad Torrance, um, Jason Marshall Jr., Avery Helm, like those guys are like you're like four pretty solidified starters. Your two corners and your two top safeties, like I feel like we saw improvement from all four of them in this first game, and it's something that we're gonna continue to see. And I feel like that really goes down to coaching, because Trading's been on this team for a hot minute now, mm-hmm. and we've seen him in a lot of different situations and there's some times where he hasn't looked as great they've had him like play more of like a nickel corner role at times but like he's always been a physical player like put him at one position put him up as safety and let him go hit people and they have Rashad Torrance up there and let him do the same thing and I really feel like they were playing very downhill from the secondary really like controlling the receivers not letting anything like I can't remember maybe there was a couple times but I don't really remember many times that Utah was really extending the field and the only one I really remember the only one I really remember was a great throw from Cam Rising to the tight end um, over Amari Bernie that was I think it was like a 20-25 yard gain but besides that Florida's passing defense really kept Utah in check which with a quarterback like Rising is is impressive yeah, I mean, like, and like you said, that was a tight end over a linebacker, and I feel like that was a probably 15-yard throw downfield that had, like, 10 yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. It's not like they they never hit a 40-yard bomb downfield where they're throwing it over the shoulder of Avery Helm. Like, that never happened. They weren't extending the field down the sideline and down the middle of the field. Like, the secondary kept things very compressed up towards the line of scrimmage. They were having to do a lot of – work through the rushing game like a lot of stuff wasn't open which led to rising running all over florida like he did and a lot of that like just dictates to where the secondary played well and 
I think they're going to have a challenge this week because they're going to play a team that is going to be more pass-heavy just because of their situation. No, absolutely. I agree. And I think the defense will continue to improve. Obviously, we saw the run game. There's a lot of weaknesses in there. Um, but as I was talking with Brandon last week on the full season preview, if you want to listen to that, go listen to it. It's really good stuff from Brandon Carroll. Patrick Tony as the co-defensive coordinator slash safeties coach, what he did at UL Lafayette with Napier last year and the year before, bringing that over to Florida, I think that's huge. I mean, um, UL was fourth in the Sun Belt and 31st in the country in scoring defense last year. If Florida can be around that number, like top 35 in scoring defense, with that offense and with what we think Anthony Richardson's ceiling is, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this team is unbeaten going into Georgia. Um, it'll be exciting. It'll be a fun, very, very interesting game on Saturday. You'll be back in the box. I'll be in the student section, which, yes, may be a little biased, but it's fun for me. It's, it's a great time. Um, if the fans and the fans should show out, because that obviously made a huge difference for Utah. I saw you somehow I got on Utah football Twitter. I don't know how I <laughs> fell down that rabbit hole, but I did. And everyone was just talking about how that was the best atmosphere they had ever been in and was just giving Florida fans all types of compliments. So keep it up, Gator Nation. I mean, the five of you that are listening to this show up and show out on saturday seven o'clock kick um joe before we let you go thank you so much again for coming on i just want one more question for you um anthony richardson heisman odds went up from plus four thousand to i forget the exact number but they're now the fourth highest odds behind CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and someone else who I'm forgetting. Is that overreaction too much? Too little? Just right? Because part of me thinks it's just right, and I want to make sure I'm not going crazy. One of the things I said to Jackson and Topher, who are by two people that cover football. Shout out Jackson and Topher. Yeah, they did great work on Saturday. I'm very excited for this season with them. Like, we had like a very like good time just like being together in the press box on Saturday and like just working. Like I'm very excited to spend the whole season with them. But besides the point, I said to them, if Richardson does what he did on Saturday every single week, which I think he has the ability to do, I don't know how he doesn't end up in New York at the end of the season. But one of the big like caveats with like like Heisman like voting and stuff like that is that it's like it happens every now and then but if Florida isn't necessarily winning as much like you kind of have to have like your team behind you like if Florida went like loses three games and like isn't like in contention for like a new year's six bowl or something like that like richardson's gonna have to be like really 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 good but like you talk about shroud and you talk about young and stuff like that like bama and ohio state like they don't have to like those two guys like they like they're the quarterbacks of like the top two teams in the country like they were like the top two of the top three 
sorry, Georgia. Georgia doesn't really have like a Heisman guy. It's whatever. Um, not if you ask Georgia writer Jack Duffy, who wants to say Stetson Bennett will be a Heisman winner, but we're we're not listening to that at all. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> like you kind of have to have the team behind you to go like win like the Heisman. I feel like Florida fans know this like very well where if you ask any of them look at the numbers and tell me Kyle Trask (laughs) did not deserve the Heisman bro like the thing is is I feel like what I feel like what held him back was the fact that Florida lost games at the end of that season that they should not have been losing Mm -hmm. and like he was held back by his coaching staff because they play, always played it safe in the second half. Everybody knows, like, all the narratives as to why Trask didn't just run away with that award because he totally could have and probably should have. But I feel like it's it wasn't anything he did. It was the fact that Florida wasn't in the college football playoff competing for the title. And that's, like, my, like, one hang-up with Richardson is I don't know if this team as a whole is going to be, like, very, very elite and be in, like, that big national conversation come the season, like, the end of the season. But I think from a number standpoint, from the amount of highlight plays standpoint, we've already seen it in this week. There's, like, there's the two-point conversion. There's the 45-yard touchdown run where he just takes off and he just makes the man miss at the end and just gets in the end zone, even though the defender had the better angle on him. Like... He's going to make plays like that all year. Heisman, Heisman moments is what those would be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like plays that you can point to during the season that are like, oh, that's why he's in New York. That's why he's a Heisman finalist. That's like, why he's holding this trophy right now. I mean, and he had, what, at least two, at least two of those against Utah. Probably three if you want to count the last touchdown run, because um, that was, you know, to put yeah. Florida ahead. But I also think you're going to see a lot more of him passing the ball, because he only threw for 168 yards last week. One of the things that impressed me most, most with Richardson is, like, when he gets off and, like, just like gets out in open space and just runs the way he does, we've seen that. But there was a couple times where he just stands in the pocket and just absolutely rips one. And, like, it's a point we didn't really touch on where we, like, briefly talked about the receivers being like good and like we need they need to give Richardson enough to like balance the running game Ricky Ricky Purcell is him he is really good and he is Florida's best receiver Mm -hmm. and the way he just worked the middle of the field throughout the Utah game and would just sit down find open spots and Richardson would just fire it into him even with like he had like a small injury in the offseason like missed a little bit of time him and Richardson seem to have a very good connection. And, like, he has that connection as well with, like, Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter. I feel like the receiver group, like, all of them do a little bit of different things. I feel like the three of them, like, really flesh out that receiver room well. But I think Purcell is just, like, the most dynamic of all of them and is going to be very good this year. I agree. I think that receiver room, it's not going to, like, compete for any awards for best receiver room in the country or, oh, even, no, the no, SC- no. or even the SEC um, or anything close to that. But like we were saying, if they can just give you something and give AR something and get open, that'll be a massive win um, because 
AR's rushing is going to be there. Like, it just is. When it's complimentary of the run game, what the receiver room gave them on Saturday, it's perfect. if they give it to, if that's what they show up and do every single weekend, Florida's offense is going to be competitive and going to move the ball basically at will against 90% of their opponents. Yeah, that's a that's a 10-win team right there that played last week. At Yeah, that's a 10-win team. And if Florida's in... That's the thing where we go back to like the Heisman conversation. If Florida's teetering around ten wins, depending on who those wins are against, who the losses are against, like how the season shakes out, if they're in that conversation and maybe come like like with a loss to Georgia, like a near miss of going to Atlanta, but still find themselves in that like going to a New Year's Six Bowl type conversation, like this is so far down the line. Mm-hmm. But like Oh, this is all so far down the line. It's all speculation, but it's fun to talk about because when you have a player like this and see what he did this last weekend, like you just have to talk about it because why would you not? Mm -hmm. But Florida finds themselves in that situation where they're in that like New Year's Six Bowl conversation and Richardson keeps delivering performances like he did again on on Saturday against SEC opponents and throughout that SEC schedule, which is going to be hard. Florida has a very like including Utah at the top of the season, Florida's schedule is difficult. It's a very difficult schedule. Yeah, it's a brutal schedule, which we talked about last week with Brandon. Again, go listen to that episode. Um, yeah, it's two a, plugs. It's a yeah, two plugs for last week's episode. Um, you know what? I'm gonna do three. Go listen to it. It's awesome. Brandon Carroll knows what he's talking about. Go read his stuff at SI Alligators and go read Joe's stuff. Go read the Alligator. We're gonna have content all week leading up to the Kentucky game. Um, read Joe's work, read Jackson's work, read Topher's work, read everything that the Alligator puts out because we're trying to do great work over here. Shout out Jackson. He wrote a column about Anthony Richardson. It's called, Yes, Anthony Richardson is Him. It's very well written. Check it out. Pick up a copy of the Alligator. Support print journalism. Support student journalism. Boom. Boom. <laughs> student journalism local journalism support it all joe thank you so much for coming on yeah we have to end it there we have to end it we now. have to have end to end it with support student journalism <laughs> joe thank you so much you, you you'll probably be back on at yeah, some Michael, point thanks for season. coming on to my podcast yeah thank you for having me i really appreciate it my podcast that i'm loaning to you for the fall you know what I'm thankful for just the opportunity to even like take care of it for, for a few months. It, it really, it's truly an honor. Thanks again to Joseph Henry for coming on the podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Joseph Henry 2424. That is Joseph Henry 2424. Upcoming this week in the Gator Nation, obviously, Florida football hosts Kentucky. That'll be 7 Eastern on ESPN on Saturday. And Florida Volleyball will host the Sunshine Invitational here in Gainesville on Thursday and Friday. Gator Soccer has a game on Sunday in Greenville against East Carolina. And Women's Golf kicks off their season Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in the Anika Intercollegiate at Lake Elmo, Minnesota, and volleyball will return to the court to play rival FSU in Gainesville on Tuesday at 7 p.m. So that's the show. Um, Thank you so much for listening, all of you who did. Make sure to follow 
Joseph Henry on Twitter. Make sure to follow the Alligator on Twitter, Alligator Sports on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere you can. Um, we're really trying to do great work, provide quality content on all of Gator Athletics. Support student journalism, support local journalism, and we'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the alligator.